She's back. Cue the Jersey Shore theme song. Get crazy, get wild. Let's. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Be Here Now. I am your host, Bridget Mitchell. It feels really good to say that. I am very, very, very excited for this podcast to make its return. I want to start with a major deep breath of gratitude and love for the last few months. So if you would like to take a deep inhale in, exhale. I have just been running all over the place like a crazy lady, Um, but I told myself that this podcast was not going to be rooted in perfectionism, but rather gratitude and connection, and time completely got away from me as I dealt with moving into a new home with beautiful roommates. I seriously could not ask for a better living situation. It is magical. Um, And I celebrated my 24th birthday and had my best friend from my school days and beyond get married in Cabo and we had a Miami trip and yeah, crazy times. So lots of traveling on top of starting a new job that has me traveling for that. But now I am home and I'm ready to ground myself in this podcast and teach yoga again. So if you're in the Austin area, Austin, Texas, I would love to teach you yoga or have you in my one of my classes. So let's connect on that. Um, but you guys, I am so stoked for this episode. Um, in today's episode, I interviewed Desiree Kofed, who is a psychotherapist and dating coach. And she introduces us to her shine method. And in this episode, she she shares five tips for successful dating for those who are currently struggling. And even if you don't consider yourself to be struggling or even actively dating, these tips will resonate with you as they did for me. At least I hope and my fingers are crossed that you will take something away from this episode. They are life-changing things that you can start doing to create the life that you want to live. And I highly recommend following Desiree at Dawn of Day Coaching on Instagram and liking her Facebook page, which is also Dawn of Day Coaching. She mentions in this episode that she has a free retreat going on and it is currently happening right now. It started yesterday on Monday the what day is it? On Monday the 26th. Um, So you can catch up by watching the recorded Zoom videos and then join live for the rest of the week. But seriously, this retreat changed the game for me. I was a part of this retreat in June and you will hear a little bit more about my experience in the episode. But I hope if you feel called to join in on the retreat, it is free. You can find it on Facebook. If you have questions about it, ask me. I highly, highly recommend. Um, But I hope you all enjoy this episode. And if you have any questions that you would like to ask Desiree, send me a DM. I am going to be having her on again for a Q&A with the most asked questions. Anything about dating, I know that I asked this a few weeks ago on my Instagram story, but in this episode, we didn't have enough time to cover the questions that I had gotten. So we're just going to do another episode for a Q&A, but it can be anything about dating, relationships, trauma bonds, attachment, etc. You ask it, we got you, or at least Desiree does. I'm just here to give her a floor to speak on. 
Um, but thank you again so, so, so much for listening. I am very excited to be back. And of course, if you guys have any recommendations or suggestions on topics that you want covered or people that you might want to hear on this podcast, let me know. This is Be Here Now. Welcome back, everyone. I know it has been several months off the podcast, but today I am super excited. I have a very special guest with me. Um, I connected with this person a few weeks ago on a, well, my roommate told me about her and we did a little retreat together and this person hosted the retreat, but I want to let her introduce herself. So if you will. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, my name is Desiree Kofet. I am a psychotherapist. I am a dating and love coach. Um, and I specialize in neuropsychology, you know, really focusing on how our brain and our nervous system affects our thoughts, our feelings, our behaviors. I'm a mom and an amazing little, you know, four-year-old little guy. Um, he is absolutely <laughs> the light of my life. I'm a wife and I'm an entrepreneur. So, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, a mouthful. certified badass. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you're awesome. I uh, I really resonated with, um, with your retreat. A little bit about that. Um, so, will you explain the Shine Retreat? For those who don't know, and then I'll kind of talk a little bit about how that was for me and um, why I resonated so hard with it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so the Shine Retreat is a method that I have created for all of my single and dating soul sisters out there, um, you know, really trying to help folks get on their path to finding their person and to exponentially speed up the process. And it's worth noting that there's nothing wrong with being single. <laughs> I get asked that question mm -hmm. all the time. And being single is wonderful. It's an amazing time in somebody's life. And, you know, the work that I do really revolves around people who are getting stuck, people who are wanting things to be different than they are, people who, you know, really are understanding what is getting in my way. And so... You know, I, I would love at some point to kind of share, you know, the backstory as to how this all came to be. And the retreat itself is, is a five to seven day free retreat. We meet for an hour every day. So it's packed full of information and it's intended to help people jumpstart their love lives. Um, and mm -hmm. also, of course, to provide them an opportunity to get a feel for who I am and how I work. So it's a week of connection, implementation learning, love, all the things. <laughs> um, yeah. so, so what it stands for um, is, is it's an acronym. So SHINE stands for, the S is for becoming sensationally selfish, not narcissistic, right? We still care about people, um, mm -hmm. but becoming sensational. So actually learning how to love ourselves and so that we stop pushing away the relationships that we desire most in our lives. Um, the mm -hmm. H stands for healing, really taking an honest look at the wounds in our lives that are still screaming at us to pay attention. Because if we don't look at healing, um, we end up attracting less than desirable partners in our lives. The I is for intentionality, you know, really getting clear with surgical precision what we want in our lives and what we will and will not accept. 
the N is for becoming a new you, crafting a real life vision of the person you want to be in this lifetime and figuring out how to honor her and become her. And then the E is let's execute, right? We got to get out there and mm-hmm. date. I am a dating coach. So um, getting out there and actually practicing everything that we've learned. So so it's an opportunity just to just to spend time together and to delve into all these aspects. So you got to experience that firsthand. Yeah, I did. And it was uh, it was very eye opening because I've you know, I've dabbled in yoga and I'm not dabbled in, I'm a yoga teacher, but I've, I've, you know, explored alternative ways of thinking and more holistic ways of thinking. And when it comes to dating, I've found that I'm still wrapped up in like the same old, same old, but everyone else in society, like all the issues that everyone else seems to be dealing with, I deal with that too. And, um, I learned a lot from you and I learned a lot from, um, you know, the people that we, that were in the retreat with me and yeah, it was just super eye opening and very empowering. And I know that my roommate, Lauren, she was the one that found the retreat for us to do. We were talking about it last night, actually just telling, telling each other, we wanted to revisit the, um, the list that you had us create about the, you know, our ideal partners and the vision that we have for our future. And, uh, yeah, it was just very impactful. And the fact that we're still talking about it speaks volumes. So um, yeah, I'm very, very excited for you to share your knowledge and your wisdom today. And I guess like I got a little bit ahead of myself, but um, to explain your background a little bit more on like how you created this method and uh, what kind of like brought you to this point. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, before I do that, I have to say that you and your friends were the highlight of my last retreat. (laughs) Literally, you know, just to all your listeners, you came on daily and with so much energy and positivity and joy. And I was like, who is this group? (laughs) Who are these women? And every day, you know, that I got to spend time with you was just such a treasure. And um, and it was it was just such an honor, you know, getting to meet you and getting to connect with you. Of course, it's online, um, but but still, you know, I could feel your energy and and yeah, it was it was just such a treasure to have you there. So so thank Aww, you for thank that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so my um yeah my backstory is a tough one, um, and it's actually, I mean, it's something that's challenging for me to talk about. You know, to be completely honest, because I think mm-hmm. it was you know I'm in my early to mid forties, so I've had plenty of years on this planet and when we talk about the painful things, that's, that's never easy. Right. And it really, I don't think it was until this last year that I really started sharing. And I've only shared a couple of times kind of, you know, my history and what led me to becoming a therapist and what led me to becoming a dating coach. So it's, um, it's not a fun story, but it's, you know, it is these moments of adversity that, that bring us, you know, to where we are and to doing the work we're supposed to do. So Mm-hmm. Um, so bear with me as I go through this, but, um, you know, the short you of can it, give us the short version. Yeah, exactly. short version. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was conceived in an abusive household and, you know, my father was abusive to my mom when she was pregnant with me, um, to the point of hospitalizing her and she was so brave, you know, she left him, which was no small feat. Um, she was only 19 when she had me and he was the source of our financial security. And then he actually committed suicide. Um, mm-hmm. when I was two years old. So, you know, I really had a life of grieving, not having a parent, you know, they call that a primal wound, losing a parent, you know, like the curled up in a ball, cry yourself to sleep sort of grief. Yeah. So really, really deep. And, um, 
And then, you know, there were, you know, years passed, she got remarried, we got a dog, we got our own house, like had a brief little stint of thinking I would have, quote unquote, the happy family life. Um, They weren't a match. So they got divorced. So there went the home, there went the dog, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you know, back to living with relatives. And and then it was another series of unfortunate events, if you will. Um, She got into an unfortunate relationship with another abusive man. And it was severe, you know, the type of guy where you fear for your life, you fear for your kids' lives. So she managed to find her way out of that, you know, but the point of all of that is all of that happened before I was 12 years old. So mm. even before I entered my adolescent years, my nervous system was primed for anxiety, depression, fear, trauma, stress, right? All the things, loss, abandonment. Um, So you can imagine, you know, how the teenagers went. I developed a really severe eating disorder. Um, I actually experienced some sexual assaults, constantly looking for attention in all the wrong places. But I suffered in silence. I I stuffed it all in. I was a straight A student, you know, honor roll, playing all the sports and band, all the things. So what finally brought everything crashing down um, was my first year in college I got the the surprise shock that he wasn't even my biological father. And Whoa. yeah, so this man that I had grieved, you know, my whole life um, wasn't even, yeah, my biological dad. So I withdrew from college, you know, I experienced severe depression, suicidal ideation, like I was a hot mess by every definition. Mm. <laughs> so all the things I lived them, I experienced them. And And then um, I finally got into therapy, you know, I reached out to him and, and he actually said it would be easier to pretend you don't exist, word for word. So it was just, you know, on top of, on top of, on top of loss, abandonment, rejection. And so as you can imagine, um, you know, the first 20 years of my life were just filled with extreme challenges. And, and of course, going into relationships, right? That's like your prime time for, to go into relationships. I didn't have a single ingredient for how to do that in a healthy manner, how to do that with connection, how to do that with mm-hmm. security. Um, and, and I never could have imagined, though, the life that was yet to come. So when I look back on the first 20 years of my life, it's a, I'm amazed that I decided to stick it out. I don't know what actually got me through. And... The life I've lived, you know, the subsequent decades have have been amazing. And I'm just so grateful, so grateful that I did. So so that's kind of, you know, the briefest version I can kind of give yeah. you as to some of the heartache and pain and suffering that I experienced as a as a young one um, that eventually led me, you know, into therapy. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing. That was uh I was not expecting that. I don't know what I was <laughs> expecting, but it wasn't that. That's Wow. Um, that's powerful though, because I, like you would have never guessed if you joined in on one of your retreats that, that you, you're just so confident and it seems so natural what you have learned and what you share. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It's wild. Right. And have you ever heard the saying, all masters were once disasters? <laughs> Oh my God. I love it. With anything in life, right? No matter who it is, no matter what they're so good at, we all start from ground zero and we all have Mm -hmm. our own wounds and our own pain and we all have to learn and evolve and grow through that. And my dating life was a, was an equal hot mess, right? Because there Mm -hmm. was no 
there was no blueprint. I talk so much about relationship blueprints, what we learn as children, and how that follows us into adulthood. And so I didn't have one. I actually had every wrong ingredient you could have mm-hmm. <laughs> going into it. And, you know, I, I was with a man for, for eight years. Um, we fell in love hard and fast and lived life and traveled the world and were planning on spending our lives together. And it was toxic. It was very unhealthy, but I couldn't leave. Like I literally, mm. I was incapable of leaving him because he was my per- like he was my person. He was the first person who needed me. And so, you know, so you go through almost a decade with somebody and eventually as it became more and more toxic and I'm in grad school becoming a psychotherapist, I'm like, something's not right here. Right. And I, Mm -hmm. I did finally leave, but it's the gut wrenching heartache. It's like losing a parent all over again. And, and it just feels like it's ripping, you know, your insides out. And so to actually find the strength and wherewithal to do that. It definitely, it, it takes a village, right? It takes a fire inside and it takes your besties and family and mm-hmm. just to help you get through all of that. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of went through all the wrong things in my dating life um, that eventually, you know, led me to kind of the path I'm at now. The good news is for anyone listening is you can heal, you can mm-hmm. change and I am with the love of my life. It's the healthiest, happiest relationship of my life. We've been together for seven years. We met on a dating site. Um, <laughs> and it just took me a really long time, right? It, it, I had a lot to unwind, a lot to unravel, and a lot to heal. Um, and I did it. And so the coolest thing is, is, you know, after I, it it took me to like my mid to late thirties. And so at that point I'm like, forget it. Nobody else needs to deal with this. Like, this is crazy. If I can speed this up, you know, for some folks, then I'm on a mission to do it. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, okay. You getting into psychotherapy. Yeah. How, how did that come to be? So you said you withdrew from college. Yes. And then you obviously got back in it. Yes. Yep. So, so what did that look like? Yeah. So withdrew from college, um, had a very negative initial experience with a therapist. So be careful who you choose. <laughs> I always tell mm-hmm. people, interview at least two or three people. Make mm-hmm. sure you have a connection. Um, all the research shows it's actually therapy can be healing when you have a deep connection with somebody. It's less about the modality that they use and more about do you feel safe being yourself? Do you feel Mm. safe being authentic? Do you feel safe going to the deep, dark places? So, you know, yeah, I saw, I saw some therapist for maybe 10 minutes and he's like, well, let's put you on some medication. And even, you know, in my Mm. early twenties, I was like, what, this is crazy. Like he knows nothing about me, nothing about my history. I don't need meds. I need healing. So, um, you know, kind of got my stuff together that year, went back to college, um, found an amazing therapist, tried it again. She was, she was absolutely wonderful. Finished my undergraduate degree and uh, camped and backpacked my way across the United States and Canada and just really celebrating, you know, having graduated college. And, and at this point, I was living in Long Island, New York, and I could not find a job to save my life in my profession. Could not find one. And so I, it was very clear to me, I'm going to have to get a postgraduate degree. Um, I love psychology. I started studying it as a junior in high school. I was taking college classes. You know, there was so much pain in my childhood that I always wanted to understand human behavior and motivations. 
And so it was my passion, but I couldn't, I couldn't get work other than waitressing. Mm -hmm. So, so I'll never forget actually the day I went to a public library and I'm like, okay, you're going to go to grad school. What are you going to go to grad school for? And I started researching, um, becoming an attorney or becoming a therapist because I had always been fascinated by the law. And as I'm researching these trajectories, they both entail three years of additional schooling. They both are going to cost a fortune, <laughs> but only one of the two had a lucrative projection, right? Which of course is law school. Uh, mental health, while very rewarding, is not lucrative. So I did what I always do when I don't know what to do. Um, I get really quiet and I pray. And I just asked the divine to show me my path and to show me my way. And it was a gut punch knowing that my heart wanted to support others. And so therapy it was. And you would think I would be excited, but I was so disappointed. <laughs> you know the feeling when you get the right answer to something that's outside of you and it's calling yeah. you? But I'm like, but no, I actually really, I was just at that point, I'm like, I don't want to struggle as much, right? At least can I please take care of the financial needs? But I knew mm -hmm. it. I knew it in my heart, in my gut, in my core. I was like, no, you got to be a therapist. You're, you've been sent here to heal people. So, so that's, you know, that's kind of what happened. And then, and I moved to Colorado. I went to graduate school. I worked in wilderness therapy. I got my fill of the criminal justice field, working with a local sheriff's office and the district attorney, supporting victims of violent crime. I uh, worked at a transitional living center for over a decade, working with folks with substance abuse and eating disorders and depression, anxiety, you name it, right? But for years, people kept saying, you need to be a dating coach. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Like you're what like in me? world? Yeah, I'm just like, wait, you think you're talking to the wrong person? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was always the go-to person for dating and relationship advice because I had actually been there and been through it all. The good, the bad, the ugly, right? I had lived it. And so even a decade ago, it's funny to look back now, I had some some besties who asked me to marry them. And so it was even peeking its head into my life, you know, a decade ago. And I said, sure, but you got to do couples counseling. And they're like, of course we do. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I gifted them that it was, it was, um, you know, we did it there. So even to this day, they're going strong. They're still together. Um, but yeah, it was actually just last year that I finally left the mental health field and started my own company, um, which is Dawn of Day Dating and Relationship Coaching. So that that's pretty new. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems to be doing very well. Um, yeah. Your last, I mean, the retreat that I was in was packed with people and obviously people were telling their friends because as the days progressed, more and more people were joining the group and they were like, I need to know about this. I need to hear about this. Um, so I'm very excited that like you're able to be here and share your story and your testimony a little bit, but man, that is powerful. And what did you say? You said masters come from disasters. Is that what you said? Yes. All masters <laughs> were once disasters. Were once disasters. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Oh, it's um, so true, right? It's so true. Yeah. 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 But would you say, uh, I am totally like bouncing all over the place, but no, it's great. would you yeah. say that, um, that this is your purpose, that like dating, co like being a dating coach and a love coach is, is your purpose or what would you say is your purpose? Yeah, it, um, it honestly, it is. And when I think of purpose, I think of what keeps me up late at night and what fuels mm -hmm. my fire and what, um, 
I mean, I love it, right? When I, if I think of the word purpose, I think of what would I do for free, right? What, what are the things mm-hmm. that we would do that just fuel us from the inside out? And my first client, this is actually amazing. I just had this conversation with my husband recently. Um, I met her last year. She came to me in her uh, you know, mid to late 30s, completely unsure of what she wanted. But she knew, you know, things needed to change. And we reviewed her dating profile. And, you know, without going into specifics, the overall theme is it was very much like, you know, searching for temporary things, may or may not live here, you know, love having a good Mm -hmm. time. And it took her a while to get clear with herself that she wants a husband. And it was so hard for her to say Because as we all know, when we actually get to a point in our lives of declaring who we want to be on this planet and what we want, there's a lot of fear that comes with that. Because Mm -hmm. what if we get our heart broken? What if we're disappointed? What if it doesn't happen? It's almost easier to stay in the shadows and be like, well, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, that's fine. Because then you're never actually putting yourself on the line. And and so as I mean, I get goosebumps talking about it. It was amazing when she finally was like, no, damn it. I want this. I want my person. This is what I want. I'm terrified to say it, but this is what I want. So, you know, we did the surgical precision exercises and she got clear. She wanted to go to law school and she was like, but I'm in my late thirties. And I'm like, who cares? Who cares if you're in your seventies, right? Like if you're breathing, you are living and you still have a multitude of options on this planet. And Mm. she's like, and I want to own my own house. And So anyway, you know, she got clear about what she wanted. She, um, for any of your listeners who actually watch Lord of the Rings, (laughs) we joke that she had to go to Mordor. Like this last year has been crazy for her. And it has been, we joke about it all the time. Like she sends me memes of Mordor. So (laughs) she, um, and I'm like, yeah, this shit isn't for the faint of heart. Like this is brave and this is powerful. And she, she did it. Like she's been through the tears. She's been through the pain. She's done the, you know, in per, like deeply intense investigation. She's gotten a therapist for her first time ever. Um, and so she's done all these things. And we just talked earlier this week and, and she's done it. So get this, this is crazy. She is starting law school. She studied for the LSAT. She took it. She passed with flying colors. She got accepted to every law school she applied to. She's attending. She's starting in four weeks. She is closing on her first home next week. She actually like is buying her first home. And here's the kicker. She fell in love. She's buying it with her boyfriend. Oh, that's yes. awesome. And they're doing all the things. And so her and I were talking and I'm like, you did it. And she's like, I did it. <laughs> and, Aww. you know, I talked to all my clients about becoming the 2.0 version of themselves and God willing, mm-hmm. there will be a 3.0 and a 4.0, but actually becoming the next version that you want to become. But it doesn't happen without being intentional and without healing your heart. And, and so, you know, I told my husband earlier this week, I said, you know what? I said, even if this were the only thing that came out of Dawn of Day, I said, literally, it's an accomplishment to walk beside her and to see her growth and to see her wins. I'm like, I'm done. (laughs) We're good. And everything else is just icing on the cake, right? I'm like, it happened. It's so amazing. And she tells me all the time, she's like, it never would have happened without you. And I'm like, absolutely not true. 
I just held the flashlight, <laughs> right? Like I was just your Sherpa and hiked the mountain with you, but she did the work. Mm-hmm. She did the blood, sweat and tears. She did it. Um, but yeah, more and more of these things are starting to happen with my clients and it's, it's amazing. Like it's profound. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can only imagine. Um, I, like I said, I learned so much in the week that we, that we work together and, um, this just like popped into my head as you were talking about her. But I think one of the first questions that you asked us in the retreat was, are you someone that you would want to date? And like Lauren and I both like screamed and we were like, Oh my God, like (laughs) what? Like that is such a good question. Cause it's like, you have to start with yourself. Like you have to start with doing that hard work, doing the fine tuning, looking deeper within before you even think about stepping out into the world of dating before you crash and burn. Um, and yeah, I, yeah, I love that. And Um, that's one of the things I talk about, you know, so much, um, is, is when you imagine your dream partner, right? Because so often we think about everything that is outside of ourselves. Why is it happening mm-hmm. for this person? Why not me? You know, like, mm. and and so actually, and sometimes people will come to me and they think dating coaching, they're like, great. What should I put in my profile pictures? What are conversation starters? And I'm like, we will absolutely deal with those things. And if you don't look at what's underneath, you're going to keep having the same experiences, right? Mm-hmm. They're just going to keep being on autopilot. And so, yeah, that is one of the first questions I ask people is that if you imagine your dream partner, right? Like actually go ahead and imagine them, everything about them. Now think, who are they seeking? Who are they looking for? And is mm-hmm. it you? <laughs> yeah. So we can't expect to have, you know, all these amazing qualities in a person, if we're not the match to that, if we're not the flip side of that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I say, have every damn thing you want in this lifetime, go after it, go get it. But you also have to become it. Otherwise, you're not going to be a match and you're not going to be the person they're seeking. So it's a fun question. (laughs) And have fun getting there, right? Like you don't have to be there overnight, but go have fun. Go travel. Go read new books. Go meet new people. Become an interesting, exciting person yourself. And all of a sudden, your attraction level magnifies. And they're Mm -hmm. like, who's that? What's she got going on over there, right? So Yeah. 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 And not only attraction as in like, just to clarify, because I know that you, you are a fan of Abraham Hicks. Energetic Um, attraction. Energetic, energetic attraction. I don't want people to be like, oh, so I'll be hotter if I read more books. No, this is like literally like your energy, (laughs) your energy will just radiate more when you are taking care of yourself and becoming the person that you want in your life. Um, and yeah, exactly. you had recommended the book ask and it is given. And I, yes. I recently started that finally. Oh, yes. uh, and it is so good. <laughs> <laughs> it is like just rocking my world. Um, but all it. of it, yeah, all of it aligns with, with what you talked about in the retreat and what I learned. And I think you would be scared at how many notes I took uh. um, during the retreat. I like, good. I took so many notes. Um, but yeah, I uh, I want to. So I invited Desiree to um, come up with maybe like a little list of things that she could talk about on the podcast today, and um, I think she came up with a few. Yeah. So if you would like to start on some of those, I am really excited to to hear what you have to share here. Yeah, you got it, and enjoy the book. 
Um, Thank you. Yeah, for any people out there who are into law of attraction, uh, you know, Jerry and Esther Hicks and Abraham, just amazing. I practice it for, I mean, I'm still practicing it. I have a client who even said to me the other day, I'm going on an Abraham binge. (laughs) And I said, great, (laughs) like, just go get on YouTube and start binging Abraham when you really start feeling down. Um, And it's changed my life. And so it's absolutely a part of the work that I do. Um, and, and we'll kind of talk about why. So yeah, I came up with five tips, um, for successful dating for those who are currently struggling. And the reason I say it's for those currently struggling is because people who love dating and they're at the time in their life where they want to be free and they want to explore and they want to learn about themselves, go get it right. Like your Mm -hmm. life is meant to be lived. And so go have fun. Enjoy this time in your life. Have the best time ever. I can't say that enough. The clients that I specifically work with are women currently, you know, ranging in ages from 20s to 50s, all of the decades that are attracting the same thing, that are not attracted to the nice guys, that are having these repetitious cycles and they're really frustrated. And they're like, why? Does this keep happening to me? What is going on? I don't understand. I just want what I want. (laughs) Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like, will you just help me get there already? So that is what I do. Um, I'm in support and service of those who want to be in relationship and are struggling to do so. Um, So really, you know, what I focus on is helping them uncover and shift what's getting in their way. So on to the five that I came up with. This was a really fun exercise. So thank you so much for asking, asking me to do this. Of and course. because there's the programs I run, you know, are six, seven, eight months long. They're intensive. And it's really to unravel some old habits. And so to, to kind of narrow it down to here are the five things, right, that could mm-hmm. be getting in the way was powerful. So the first one is slowing down. If we don't slow down, we will continue to repeat the same patterns. Mm -hmm. So this goes back to, are you the conductor? Are you driving the train or are you a passenger on the train? If you're on autopilot, there is no chance of changing course. It's, you're literally on autopilot. You're not even going to notice it. And you're just going to keep having the same experiences and thoughts over and over. So how do we do this? Mindfulness and meditation, of course. And there are so many on YouTube, you could literally look up any topic, um, you know, how to calm myself down, how to attract my person, how to have more positive thoughts, whatever your topic is, you could just look up those topics under mindfulness or meditation, or you could just type in mindfulness practices or meditation. Um, my favorite for anyone who wants to check this out is Dan Siegel's wheel of awareness. It's S I G E L. (laughs) He's amazing. He, you know, he went and they studied over 40,000 people who actually engaged in this meditation consistently. And every single one of them had increased brain integration. It was unbelievable off the charts. So, What he shares is that if you do this practice for 12 minutes a day, you will actually have like better integrated, a better integrated brain, um, Mm. which will help you be a different person on this planet if you're wanting that, right? If you're like, actually, yeah, I don't want to play out these old patterns and these old habits. 
So slowing down also helps us become intentional about what you will and what you will not stand for. If we don't slow down and we're just go, 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 then we're just going to keep living out the same stuff. But if we actually train ourselves to notice and to focus, this is where mindfulness comes in, being aware of your mind's tendencies, because we are so much more than just our mind, then we can actually start to pull apart, oh, these are red flags. Oh, I'm not Mm -hmm. gonna do that again. Instead of like, oh, I'm gonna dismiss that and I'm just gonna go ahead and engage, you know, in this relationship anyway. Mm -hmm. So one exercise for anyone listening that I think is is fun is called the anti-vision exercise. And I think you did this one. Is instead of focusing on what you want, actually get clear about what you don't want. Because sometimes people are like, I really don't know what I want. So the quickest way in is to find out what you don't want. Think about all your past relationships and all the things (laughs) that drove you nuts. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right? Make a list. This is the beginning of your red flag list. So, So those are a few things you can do to support slowing down. So number two, we actually talked about briefly, is what you think about, you bring about. So any folks, you know, that listen to Law of Attraction, they're familiar with this phrase. And this actually gets trippy though, because the more I got into neuroscience, it was fascinating. All the things I had been practicing and kind of living and breathing for so much of my life was explained scientifically. And I was like, what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love that. It, It just blew my mind. So, you know, the example is, you're looking at buying a new car. What do you start to see everywhere? You start to see the car that you're interested in, right? Whatever Mm -hmm. it is, you literally start seeing it everywhere. And you're like, are there all of a sudden new whatever, whatever, right? Or am I just, am I just paying attention to them more? So the science behind this is that your brain is filtering out billions of bits of information per second. Billions. And your brain actually attends to what is familiar. It attends to what it expects to see. So your perspective literally narrows and you are not seeing all the possibilities around you. And this might be one of the reasons why people are like, well, why doesn't it happen for me? Why does so-and-so only meet the good folks? You know, why do I always attract such and such? It's because cognitively we actually become impaired. So how does this happen? There are two different ways that we are kind of perceiving the world. It puts us into different parts of our nervous system. So it's called the PEA or the NEA, and it stands for the positive emotional attractor or the negative emotional attractor. So stick with me for a minute. This will all make sense. So when you're in the positive emotional attractor, you actually go into your parasympathetic nervous system. This is what allows you to relax, rejuvenate, refresh. Um, and this is, this is the space when you can think of possibilities, when you can hope, when you're excited about trying new things, when you can dream, right? However, if you're in your NEA, which is your negative emotional attractor, this is when you go into your sympathetic nervous system. This is when you become a realist. This is when you focus on problems. This is Mm -hmm. when your fears get amplified. This is when you are more pessimistic and you actually close down. So an easy trick to remember these two is at any given time, you are either in connect mode or you are in protect mode. 
but you will not be in both of them at the same time. And so if you want to have a different relationship, if you want to have a different experience dating than you've had in the past, we actually need to get you more into connect mode. We need to get you more into your PEA. Now here's what's trippy. Your brains are wired for the negative because of survival. We focus on what's wrong, we focus on threats, we focus on anything that could go awry to maintain our survival. So that is powerful, it's important, it's needed, right? We mm -hmm. don't wanna dismiss this, we don't wanna get rid of it. However, if you live in that mode 90% of your life, then you are filtering out possibilities of new experiences. You are filtering out possibilities of new partners. You are filtering out billions of bits of information per second because you're living in protect mode instead of connect. So in marriages, the ratio for a successful marriage, they say, science shows, is you want five to one of being in the PEA, of being in the positive, of being in the hopes, of being in the dreams, of focusing on you know, the things that can go right instead of the things that can go wrong. So it's actually a practice. It's a practice that we need to come back to over and over are we replaying old patterns because we're focused on fears and we're focused on what can go wrong? Or are we focused on hopes and doing something different? So when we come back to saying what you think about, you bring about, there's actually science behind it based on where you're living in your nervous system. So it's pretty crazy. So what you do instead is I want you to look for evidence to the contrary. You know, I have so many clients who say, you know, I have a girl actually who's living in Texas right now. She's like, all I hear is that you can't meet anybody and you can't get married in Texas, you know? And I'm like, what? I'm in Texas. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm in Austin. Oh, that's so funny. And so she's like, there's even groups about it. And I'm like, well, then stop going to them. <laughs> yeah, it's called – well, we have one called Don't Date ATX. And it's oh like a gosh. group where people post – like pro anyways. Yeah. It's like, don't date these people. It's hysterical. <laughs> so just notice what you're feeding. Are you feeding mm -hmm. the, you know, your brain actually becoming impaired or are you feeding hope and possibility and something different? And, and so the first thing you can do, this is a brain hack is, and this is actually, um, from Abraham is wouldn't it be nice if, right? You see something you yeah. don't like, replace it with, wouldn't it be nice if, and then you start telling a new story. If you do this long enough over time, your brain actually starts opening up. So your brain, the, the actual statistic is when you're in your NEA, you only see 15% of possibilities. When you're in your PEA, you see 85% or more possibilities. So you can actually start to see the importance of getting into the PEA, of actually getting into your positive way of thinking so that you start to see more options and more possibilities. So wouldn't so it be question. nice if, please go for it. Okay. I have a question. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. But I, I actually thought about this whenever I read, um, when I was reading this part in Ask and It Is Given, um, when Abraham talks about, um, if you are predominantly thinking about the things that you desire, your life experience reflects those things. But if you are predominantly thinking about what you do not want, your life experience will also reflect those things. Yes. So when it comes to dating, when you're making, you know, that list of what you do not want or the anti-vision, like yep. what, what is it that like you do not want in a partner? Is it best to write those things and then kind of like put it aside and just focus on the things that you do desire 100%. or, 
Okay. Yep, because you you're, it. it's not like you don't want to focus on that anti-vision that what you, the things that you don't want, because then you're going to continue to attract it. Right. And you're going to continue to see it. That's all your brain's going to yeah. focus. So, so there's this, there's this thing in our brain called cognitive dissonance. And what happens is basically what we've experienced in the past, we're wired to predict what's going to happen next. It actually mm-hmm. affects like the brain is wired to keep your body functioning, right? Think breathing, your heart pumping, you know, all the things. And so your brain is in the mode of predicting what is going to happen next. So if you, and it's made a blueprint actually from your childhood, adolescence, adulthood, all, you know, all the things. And so because your brain is in the habit of predicting what's happening next, you either strengthen that or you're rewriting it. And so if you are focusing on the anti-vision, if you're focusing on what everybody else and you don't have, if you're focusing on what's going wrong in your love life, you're strengthening the prediction. So you're actually strengthening the neural network in your brain that this is exactly what's going to happen and what's going to play out. So when you do your anti-vision, it's in service of getting you to what you do want. I don't want people to get stuck there. I want them to actually move over to, okay, now I know what I don't want. What's the opposite of that? And I can make a list of what I do want. And then I'm going to look for evidence. So when I hear you can't meet anybody in Texas, well, how many people are married in Texas, right? You actually want to go on a hunt. You want to go on a scavenger hunt for evidence to the contrary of what your old story is. You mm-hmm. want to find stories, even if it feels like it's one in a million. You want to find the stories of the people who fell in love. You want to find the stories of the people who are happy. You want to find evidence to the contrary because both exist. So at any given moment, both exist in, in this lifetime. There are good partners and there are less desirable partners, right? Look for evidence of the good ones and focus your attention on that. So absolutely, you can find out what you don't want, but don't stay there. It's important mm-hmm. to know what you don't want, to know what you do want. But once you know, then that's it. I, I really want people focusing on what I do want and looking for evidence of that. Yep. Cool. So I the like antidotes, <laughs> Yeah, it's such a good question. Um, the antidotes to, to getting stuck here is gratitude. <laughs> I know everybody hears yes, gratitude yes. practices, but if you actually start a gratitude practice, you get in the mindset of having, not of wanting, not of lack of, but you actually are like, I have these things. So what are the healthy relationships in your life? What ways do you feel loved and nourished and cared for by your friendships, by your family? Sometimes it's easier to go with friendships for those of us, right, who have had challenging um, backgrounds. So, but actually practicing gratitude and playfulness, actually getting into your PEA, anything that helps you relax, exhale, feel happy, feel alive, feel joy. Um, we want to get you into that part of your life so that you actually are undoing this. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, great. Okay, so we'll keep going because I know we're running through lots of stuff today. So so number three, fall in love with your life again, <laughs> right? So mm-hmm. this is what we said, are you a catch, right? I want people to actually love themselves first and foremost and become your best self. So when we talked about that question, when you imagine your dream partner, now imagine who they want to be dating and are you it or not? go fall in love with your life again, right? If we're stuck always being pessimistic and, you know, being like, 
you know, woohoo, Eeyore, you know, everything's mm-hmm. doomed and coming to an end. Like who's going to be attracted to that? People who are going to be attracted to that are the other people who are having the same mentality. Is that what you want? Um, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, right? I don't know. But, but actually falling in love with your life again. So figuring out who you want to be on this planet, figuring out what your purpose and your passion is, and actually engaging in things that you've never done before. It's one of the fastest ways to increase your self-esteem. So coming up with bucket lists, coming up with a list of hobbies. We all have them. We've got, I've got things mm-hmm. on my list that have been there for 20 years. Go do them, <laughs> right? Like yeah. actually figuring out, taking the first step towards if I want to you know, learn an instrument or I want to go travel to someplace, start small. If you want to go travel big, but you don't have the financial means or you don't have the time right now, go explore your city, go explore new places to eat, go explore a coffee shop or a library you've never been to. You can still cultivate those internal feelings um, without it having to be super big. Cause sometimes we say, well, I'll do that, you know, at some point or in five years. And it's like, okay, how can you practice it in small ways now? So mm-hmm. just really starting to fall in love with life again and asking yourself the question, would you want to spend the rest of your life with you? <laughs> and yeah. if the answer is no, you know, it may be uncomfortable to say that, but it's okay. It's actually just the first indicator that your work begins here. Um, and it's an opportunity for you to take ownership and responsibility for your love life. And if the answer is yes, I am, you know, somebody I would want to spend the rest of my life with. I am a catch. I would want to date myself. Then it's great. Then it's an indicator that your work is actually somewhere else, which is healing. So that brings us to number four. Number four is attachment wounds. And this topic is loaded. Are you familiar with attachment? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's something that I have been working on, um, after reading the, how to do the work by, what is her name again? Oh, I think I told so you many. about this. Yeah. This one just came out. Um, anyways, yeah, there was like a whole segment on that and I just, your inner child dove work, into right? my past. Yes. Yeah. My inner child work and, and yeah. So I'm, I am familiar with attachment styles. Awesome. So we'll, I'll, I'll give the, the briefest overview that I possibly can because we could spend a year on this easily. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it is so deep. But my philosophy from my past experiences and, you know, honestly, after I left the first love of my life and felt like I died and I was convinced this is not for me. I don't have what it takes. I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. Forget it. Like I'm not doing it. Like I was, I mean, just devastated, right? Soul crushed. And I was like, I just, I can't, I can't do it. I fell in love again. And, um, and this time it was with a man, I don't know, a year, two years in, ended up getting his ex-girlfriend pregnant. And instead of leaving, do you know what I did? I tried to figure it out. I actually was like, let me figure out how we can make this work. I mean, full-blown insanity, right? So when I say people have been telling me to do dating and relationship coaching, it's because they've seen all the crazy things I've been through and, and then all of the retreats and workshops I went to and all the therapy I did and all the training I got. So it was, it truly was craziness, but it eventually got to the point where I, I kind of solved the puzzle and I was like, oh, this is what's going on. So, so I believe that there are two things that are crucial if you're repeating out, you know, kind of your history and if you're not getting what you want. One is is get your mind right. Actually figure out what we were just talking about. What are you attracting? What are you replaying? 
Where are you living? Where are your thoughts? Are they bringing in the things you don't want? Or are they bringing in the things you do want? And second to that is healing. Have you healed your heart? Because even if you're aligned energetically, if your heart is still wounded, you might not let anybody in. You still might be too protected. So, so with healing comes attachment wounds. So yeah, this is super loaded. So attachment for folks who are not familiar with this, um, it's kind of an attachment style is a way of relating to other people in relationships. Uh, the theory is that it's developed in early childhood and it's a response to relationships with our earliest caregivers. And, you know, different statistics are thrown around. Some people say 45%, 55%. It's all roughly around 50% um, of people, although it does go up and down, have secure attachment. And 50% of people have insecure attachment. And I'll explain what that means. But for those of us, because I'm in this, in this category, right, um, of insecure attachment, is um, we're more prone to anxiety, depression, perfectionism. That's, mm -hmm. that's a really, really big one <laughs> that I see with clients. Well, because we're yeah. controlling. We're trying to make a safe environment for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, procrastination, motivation, um, and we have relationship issues. You know, we, we really become codependent. Um, we have a hard time setting boundaries for ourselves. So there's, there's a host of things. So the way, you know, they say this happens is with our primary caregivers is that they might not have been able to attune to us the way that was needed. Whereas securely attached folks, their primary caregivers were able to. So what could that look like? You know, sometimes people are like, it doesn't make any sense. I had the best family. And I'm like, it has nothing to do with having the best family. Did, was there postnatal depression? Did either of your parent or caregivers experience illness? Was there a death in the family? Was there any addiction? Was there separation? Was, um, did they have their own insecure attachment that, that they never healed? You know, when you don't, if you can't attach to yourself and heal yourself, you sure as heck can't do it for somebody else. So it just, it all boils down to misattunement. Being there sometimes, not being there other times, right? But you could be mm -hmm. the most loving parents in the world. So I can't say that enough. We don't want to go on the parent blame game, <laughs> um, yeah. but we just want to understand what might be going on for us. So, so there are four attachment styles, secure, which again, roughly give or take some percentage points, about 50% of the population and insecure. And the three insecure types are anxious, which is when you become preoccupied with a partner. Why aren't they texting? Where did they go? Do they like somebody else? You know, mm. you, you're just like <laughs> fixated on the other person. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, this is mine. I will be completely vulnerable and say that this is yeah. mine. And it's because I grew up, I mean, I was in an immigrant household. So my parents were very occupied and, you know, providing for the household. So they were very hot and cold yeah. emotionally. And that definitely drove an anxious attachment style, which I know a lot of people can relate to. Totally. And I am too. So and mm -hmm. what's fascinating is um, today, all the clients I've worked with have also been anxious. <laughs> and I'm like, that's it's so fascinating. Common. Yeah. It yeah. is. Yep. And you named it. It's actually, um, you know, we pick up anxious attachment when caregivers are inconsistent, when they're mm -hmm. really loving and doting, but then something pulls them away, right? Their own stress, their own anxiety, something else that's going on. But when they are unpredictable with their affections, sometimes they're involved, sometimes they're withdrawn. Um, okay. So that's anxious. And then there's avoidant. This is people who are dismissive. You know, these are the people who are going to ghost you or the people who are going mm. to actually just, you know, text and you don't hear from them for four or five days. And you're like, 
what? And they're just avoiding. They're kind of just like, no, I'm good. You stay over there and I'm going to stay over here. And, you know, our workaholics, right? The people who throw themselves into other things. Um, and of course we can see some crossover. We're still going to see some workaholics who have anxious attachment. Um, and then the last one is fearful avoidant. Um, it's the least common of all of them. It's sometimes referred to as disorganized. And this is a type of attachment that we see, um, with severe abuse kind of in, in, in the home. So with all of this being said, um, can your attachment style change? Yes. <laughs> the good news mm -hmm. is it is possible to change your attachment style and it takes patience. It takes work and it takes a lot of intentionality. And sometimes you'll have a secure attachment with one person and an insecure attachment with somebody else. And it all boils down to safety. Are your needs being met? Right. And so you might feel hyper safe in your work environment, but not in your love life or vice versa. It can kind of, it can kind of move around. So you know, at the end of the day, all insecure attachment styles um, are basically people who tend to form insecure relationships because we have these deeply held fears that the relationships will not work out because we didn't have that secure attachment. We just don't know if we're going to get our needs met. So the most important thing to do is to figure out how we make ourselves feel more secure. So this is where the inner work comes in. The healing comes in. I love that you're doing the inner child work, actually looking at what does your little girl need? What did she need mm. then? What did she not get? And how can you give it to her now? Because what we tend to do is look outside of ourselves for the external environment to fill it. And this is where, you know, eating disorders come in. This is where compulsive exercising comes in. This is where love addiction comes in. This is where workaholism comes in. Are you my therapist? <laughs> Because you're just uh, unpacking all of it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's crazy. And like I've lived it too, right? Like I, we get it. And when you've been through these things, as you start to understand it, it's like a light bulb goes off. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, and I can do something about it. That is the best thing is to realize this is what's going on and I can do something about it right? Mm -hmm. But first we have to be aware of our own needs. We have to be aware of our own desires. And then we start giving it to ourselves so that we don't freak out when somebody else does or does not. It actually kind of removes the hold that other people have on us. Cause it's like, oh, I know what's going on. I know what I need and I know how to give it to myself, but it's a lengthy process. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of work. Um, okay. So there, here's a couple of quick ways that you can practice secure attachment. These are called secure attachment skills. And you'll start to notice if you're working with attachment issues in your life, that they play out in multiple ways, right? Even with your friends. And so do you ghost your friends, right? Are you the type of person who, who actually like, do you disappear? Do you go silent? So one secure attachment practice with your friends is how do you practice maintaining contact? How do you practice staying in contact when you actually want to withdraw and run away? Mm -hmm. Another way is how do you repair? If you have a fight, do you just want to, you know, kind of wash your hands of them and be done? How do you actually repair with them? Because the statistics show that couples who stay married they repair 86% of the time. It's a skill that people need to learn. Practice it with your friends. If you're in an argument, if you're in a disagreement, instead of bouncing, turn towards them. And even just the statement, this is hurting my heart, 
and I don't want this to be going on in our friendship, can we talk about it, is an act of repair and it's an act of self-love. Um, and attending to the good. How often do you focus on what's going wrong? Because again, you're trying to protect yourself versus what's going right because you actually are open to connecting to others in the world. So this is a skill is over and over coming back to focusing on what is going right and what's good. Okay. So those are just a couple. There are so many, mm-hmm. um, but those are just a couple that we can practice to actually to actually practice more secure attachment. So the last one, number five, is taking personal responsibility. We got to get out of victim mode, right? If we believe that life is always happening to us, then there's nothing we can do to change it. And it just isn't Mm. helpful. So if we stay in victim mode, these things keep happening to me. And a question to know whether you're in victim mode or you're in accountability mode is how much of life happens to you. And then you find your percentage and you're like, okay, do I want to increase that at all? (laughs) You know, a little less out of victim and a little bit more out of personal accountability. And so we want to become accountable for our actions. We want to become accountable for our thoughts. And so one way to do this is instead of focusing on getting it right, actually learning that we can grow, right? We want to progress, not perfection. And so this is called being in the gain and not the gap. So when you get stuck on, I'm not where I want to be, go back and look at the last 10 years of your life and actually write down all the ways that you've grown and focus on the things you have accomplished that you couldn't have foreseen. And so when you do that, it becomes a little bit easier to say, well, yeah, I did that, right? It helps us come back to personal responsibility. But we're the first ones to say when we did something right and the last ones to say when something went wrong because we're like, no, no, that was so-and-so's fault. And then we say, okay, how can I actually be an active contributor in my life? Go back through the one to five and how can I practice doing things differently, healing my heart, thinking different thoughts and and actually doing things differently and be an active dater right? I hear people say all the time, well, I'm just not meeting anybody. And I'm like, well, how are you meeting people? (laughs) And they're like, well, you know, I'm, I don't know. And so be everywhere, be on the dating sites, strike up conversations. Like these are skills. Again, these are all skills that can be learned. Hire a coach, but do your work, do your things. Um, you know, and I mean, it's literally as simple as going to a coffee shop. And if you don't want to buy someone a cup of coffee, if that feels too bold, Ask them if you can share the electrical plug. Ask them if you can share a table, right? Like actually just find an in to be an active participant in your love life. Change your social media status to single so people know. <laughs> Let go of the shame. Tell your friends, I want to be set up. Who do you know? But I want people to take accountability and actually become active in their love lives. So, so yeah. that was a mouthful, but those are my top five. No, that was great. I love that. Thank you for sharing all of that. And a note on the last one. um, I know that there will, there are people that will be listening that are like, I just want to hook up. Like that's totally not really for me. And that's totally cool too. And I think that just, that goes right back to what you were saying about um, being intentional. And this is something that I talk about on pretty much every single episode of my podcast, but like being in the moment, being present, being intentional with where you are and what you want. Um, and not, not, um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? I guess not being a part of the game. Like if you're not wanting to be a part of the game, then don't play. (laughs) So, um, 
yeah, I just wanted to add that note for those who are like, I'm not really looking for anything serious. That's, hookups that's are great, right? Totally cool. There is a yeah. time in our life for hookups. Like go have fun, but be safe, be smart, be intentional. Mm-hmm. Exactly what you said. Just just make a conscious decision. Don't feel bad about it the next day. If you feel bad about it, it's an emotional indicator that something's off, right? Yeah. If you, But if you actually are like, I just want to date and I just want to have a hookup, then be intentional, be smart, be safe, and go do it. Go do you. Whatever it is that's you, go do it. But do it with intentionality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yay. I love this. Thank yeah. you so much. I, uh, so to kind of wrap everything sure. up a little bit, I wanted to ask you what is one piece of advice um, that anyone who is struggling with dating or relationships, if there's like one little nugget that you could leave with everyone listening, what would that be? Yeah. Go review one through five. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's too many steps. <laughs> No, um, it's actually the exercise you mentioned. So, so often I think people have a checklist of what they want in a partner. And I actually want to challenge people to, yes, write down your checklist, right? Come up with your list of all the things you want in a partner. And then actually, I want you to make a list of the 10 ways you want to feel in relationship. Because this Mm. is very different. This is a very new way of thinking about partnership. How do you want to feel? Do you want to feel safe? Do you want to feel adored? Do you want to feel valued? Do you want to feel sexy? Do you want to feel adventurous? Right? I mean, you can come up with any of them, but come up with a list of all the different ways you want to feel in relationship and then narrow it to your top 10. And then when you do that, this becomes your dating compass. This is actually what I want you judging potential partners based on. Not how tall they are, not the color of their hair. These things are going to change and fade over time. (laughs) Go get them, have them, have fun. And if you genuinely want the real deal, then come up with your list of 10, put it in your pocket, put it by your nightstand. But when you meet somebody, actually look and say, do I feel the way I want to feel in relationship? If I do, I want to keep getting to know you. Let's keep going. If I don't, it's a pass. Next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, that was the biggest takeaway that I took from the retreat is I, this is what Lauren and I were talking about last night. Mm -hmm. I'm in sort of in a little situationship and I was, I sat down and I was like, this is not how I want to feel. Like this Mm -hmm. is not on the direction that I want. You know, they could be, they could check off all the, all the things on that, you know, master desire list. But if they're not making you feel a certain way that you want to feel, then it's not for you. Um, So yeah, that's a great, great piece of advice to give. (laughs) Um, and I ask this to everyone, but what are three things that you're grateful for? Oh, oh my gosh. So many things. Um, because we practice gratitude, right? All of us, hopefully. Yes. I am um, in this moment, I am, I'm actually getting teary-eyed. I am most grateful for my husband. I am grateful for my son. And I'm grateful for the fire in my soul um, for more right? More mm-hmm. happiness, more light, more love, more goodness on this planet. It, um, the fire in my soul has kept me alive. It's kept me fighting and it is, it's what fuels me. And it has actually what has brought me, my husband and my family, my son. So to look back, you know, I rarely talk about my past because it doesn't, it's not serving me becoming more. And so to share what I did with you today, to actually think back on some of the experiences I've had, I'm kind of like, wow, just keep going, right? Just Mm. keep going. Don't give up. Don't stop. You cannot imagine what is coming for you. 
find your teachers, find your healers, find your friends and, and keep your fire ignited at all costs, whatever needs to happen and, and just keep going. So I'm grateful for what I have received, um, as my, as I've continued to fuel my fire. Yeah, it's a beautiful yes. question. Yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just like how people can connect with you and yeah. find you, I'm gonna plug this at the beginning of the episode, but um you mentioned already that your coaching is Dawn of Day Coaching, correct? It is, yeah. My website okay. is dawnofdaycoaching.com and on Instagram. You just look up Dawn of Day Coaching. You'll see a picture of me. Um, and then it actually, I have an upcoming retreat. So it's probably the last retreat of the summer. It's a week from today. It starts July 26th. And it's a free five-day virtual retreat for singular dating women. So you've been through it. You know what it's like. Yeah. And there is never any pressure to work with me beyond that ever. Um, it truly is a gift to all the souls out there wanting to explore and learn more about themselves. And, mm -hmm. and of course I always end up working with some folks and, and that's beautiful and as it should be, but I believe people will find their path, however they should, you know, in ever, whatever way they should, but Dawn of Day coaching on Instagram, it has all the information people can uh, register, can register for the retreat. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to probably post this next week, Tuesday, oh, but we'll if be in they the retreat. are, <laughs> yeah, if they can still join even after it started, they can join um, and then I'll probably right, be doing another you, one in fall. Yep. Cool. Perfect. Um, well, I, I know I skipped over some things. I know this is something that we could talk about forever it and <laughs> maybe I can, yeah, maybe I can have you on for, you know, like a, a Q and a type of thing. Cause I had yeah, lots of friends say like, Oh my gosh, you have to ask her like how to get over an ex and you got to ask her this and that. Totally. Um, but time is money and I know we have <laughs> the other things we need to be doing, but I so appreciate you being on and, and sharing your story and sharing your light with all of us. It's been so much fun. Um, but do you have any other thoughts, questions, concerns? <laughs> no, have fun, right? Get clear on what you want and go get it and don't let anything stop you. That's it. And um, have fun in this lifetime. Be grateful and share our love and let's just keep making ourselves in the world a better place. I'm, I'm so grateful I got to meet you and thanks so much for inviting me. This is actually the yeah. first podcast I've ever done. It was, it was an awesome experience. So thank you. It's wonderful.